The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, January 18th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, January 17th in New York. And coming up this hour... The Bank of Japan may keep policy unchanged, but traders are not ruling out other moves. China's top economic official says growth will rebound this year. And Goldman Sachs revenue missing analyst estimates as expenses surge. The U.S. says it's finding it difficult to re-enter military talks with China. Chancellor Schultz says Germany's efforts to talk with China is an effort at globalization. Kiev's mayor on Bloomberg asks the world not to hesitate with help in rebuilding. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. Novak Djokovic dominates in his return to the Australian Open. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have that story and more coming up in Bloomberg Sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Well, Goldman Sachs posted a bigger-than-expected increase in expenses than analysts expected, and we will get to that story in a few moments. One of the big stories of the day, China's vice premier, Liu He, saying the country's economy will likely rebound to its pre-pandemic growth trend this year. This was in a speech to the World Economic Forum in Davos. He said that life in China had been restored to normal following the lifting of the restrictions and that a peak in infections has passed. Liu added that Beijing's focus this year will be on boosting domestic demand and that that will lead to a notable increase in imports. He also addressed an international concern that Beijing is turning away from globalization to focus on self-sufficiency. China's fundamental national reality dictates that opening up to the world is a must. We must open up wider and make it work better. We oppose unilateralism and protectionism. We also hope to strengthen international cooperation, jointly maintain the stable development of the world economy, and promote economic reglobalization. Separately, Leo, who is expected to meet U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen in Switzerland this week, talked about confidence. The U.S. Treasury Department said that the two will exchange views on macroeconomic developments and some other economic issues. We've got the Bank of Japan delivering a much-awaited policy decision in a few hours. Most economists expecting no major change, but uh, there are chances of a surprise. Let's have a look at all this. Here's uh, Bloomberg's David Inglis. Yes, most economists expect a hold, 
But an unusually high number of observers say they cannot rule out changes to yield curve control policies. Last month, the central bank widened its target ban on the 10-year JGB to 50 basis points. Analysts say a further expansion to 75 or even higher is possible, even ditching the policy altogether could be considered. It depends on how the BOG reads the economy, prices, and financial markets. We'll get the decision later today, and traders are betting on a possible swing of, get this, 2% in dollar-yen. In Hong Kong, I'm David Inglis, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Goldman Sachs posted a bigger increase in expenses than analysts had expected. It said that fourth quarter compensation costs of $3.8 billion were 16 percent higher than in the same period last year. It indicates that the bank's leadership was too conservative with its set aside for pay in the first nine months of 2022. The investment banking giant has also poured billions of dollars into its retail effort. Separately, Goldman reported fourth quarter revenue that fell short of analyst estimates. Goldman Sachs CEO David Sol Solomon says that an industry-wide slowdown has his clients worried. CEOs and boards tell me they are cautious, particularly for the near term. They're rethinking business opportunities and would like to see more stability before committing to longer-term plans. Many firms have started preparing for tougher times, focusing on factors within their control. And the stock did trade down pretty sharply uh, during the session, down 6.4%. And looking at uh, further losses uh, there in some of the banking sector. But Morgan Stanley went the other direction with some big gains. Well, here we are, Doug Krisner, Brian Curtis, and Rashad Salamat. So, Doug, it's very interesting to look at the comments from Leo He, which we uh, played for the audience uh, a few moments ago. Uh, Leo is leaving the post in March when the new team comes in, uh, but he's pretty close to China's President Xi Jinping. I think it's fair to say that in the figurative sense, he's not going anywhere. But the question is, can China really get back to pre-pandemic levels? And there's at least a couple of big challenges, even with the pent-up demand that we know is there. One of the big challenges is the global economy. Absolutely right about that. And he seemed to blame a lot of the Western banks, right, on their sharp interest rate increases. We're talking a lot on this program about the probability of a global recession. That is very much going to factor into the China recovery story. Kevin Rudd, the former Australian prime minister who will now be Australia's ambassador to the U.S., was also speaking at Davos, and he said that China's recovery is going to be export challenged. So I think it's fair to say that if there is a strong, a robust recovery in China, it's very much going to depend on how well the rest of the world is is faring. Yeah, the other big challenge I think we have to acknowledge is policy. I mean, will they stick with this new direction? And I think some of the comments there from Liu He would, would have reassured investors because he, he said that, you know, we're not going back to a planned economy. That's impossible. He also said that common prosperity uh, it's not to be taken in a literal sense. It it doesn't mean enforcing strict equality. Uh, and he said, I think most importantly, that it needs <clears throat> entrepreneurial effort. And that could be a big thing to, uh, to the companies, particularly in China, and mm-hmm. also to investors looking at China. Well, that seems to dovetail with the relaxation that we're seeing in a lot of the regulatory crackdown. But to your point, Uh, In terms of the virus and where China is in the process, next week, it's the Lunar New Year, Brian. You know well. I mean, a lot is going to depend on how well this goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It'll be a stress test for sure, particularly with aviation and travel. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. 
American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now it's time for Global News. Let's get to Ed Baxter in San Francisco. Ed, relations between China and the United States appear to be getting colder. What's the latest? Well, colder and colder, Brian. Yeah, the Pentagon says it's struggling now to get China to resume military-to-military talks. China cut off talks on the military and climate change after then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Uh, But this is also two months after President Xi and Biden met an Indonesian, promised to work together. It is apparently not working out that way. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz says that Germany believes in globalization and tells Bloomberg's John Micklethwaite in an exclusive interview that China is part of that. The right thing to do now is that we all together and also the business sector in all our countries are willing to um, to have not just one supplier to look for others for 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 going to to many regions in the world in the berlin interview schultz also said it is developing hydrogen gas as the gas of the future and that a trade war with the u.s will not happen Schultz says Germany will support Ukraine as long as there's a need. Chancellor Schultz, in the exclusive interview with John, says support with an eye on avoiding a war that involves NATO. We support the Ukraine as long as it is necessary with all the means we can use, but also always avoiding that this war is escalating to a war not between Russia, which is the imperialistic aggressor, and Ukraine, who has all the reason for defending its own integrity. Now, Scholz says the only way the war will end is for Russia to pull its troops, which will have to happen at some point, he says. And the mayor of Kiev, which has been undergoing more attacks in the past couple of days, Vitaly Klitschko in Davos with Bloomberg's David Weston, says the fight to keep infrastructure is very intense. In this uh, period of time, we have a lot of challenges. Uh, we have to care about the services, electricity, water, heating. We have to give the public transportation, medical care, and education. And that's why it's not easy time. It's a lot of challenges. And Brother Vladimir says the major problem Ukraine has with the West. Hesitation. Hesitation caused destruction of our of our infrastructure and also losing of our best men, women, children, our future generation as well. And this hesitation is is painful. But both brothers reiterated time and again how much they appreciate the help coming from the world, saying without it, Ukraine will not survive. And former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger is reverse course on Ukraine and says now he believes Ukraine joining NATO 
could be an appropriate outcome. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. Right, Brian? Ed, thanks very much. Let's get to our guest, Cheryl Smith, economist and portfolio manager at Trillium Asset Management. Cheryl, we had about 3% growth in China in the past year, the calendar year 2022. Liu He, the economic chief, talking about almost double that this year. We had a guest on our show yesterday who's one of the most prominent um, strategists on China, uh, Hao Hong, saying that China would be lucky to get 3% this year. Your thoughts on that? I think your prior uh, guest who are or your commentator who was talking about the dependence that China has on growth in the rest of the world is a really interesting point. We've always thought about the growth in China dragging the rest of the world along with it, but the post-COVID situation has kind of flipped that, and with many of the developed countries looking at potential recession in this next year or at the very least a distinct slowdown, I think China will have uh, more difficulty starting things. Uh, back up. Also, uh, China has the problem of an aging population, uh, the same thing that Japan has been dealing with for years, the same thing that many developed countries in Europe have been dealing with. And that really makes it uh, categorically more difficult to grow at those rapid rates, such as a 6% growth rate. And, you know, we had that uh, population number, of course, uh, reinforced by that big surprise in the data yesterday showing that actually in 2022, um, uh, China's population actually shrank. And that's the first time that's happened in 60 years or thereabouts. And how does that change the game materially from um, an investment point of view? Because it means that the, the structure of the economy is evolving. It's getting older and, of course, getting smaller as well demographically. Yes, it uh, it changes the relative balance between uh, consumption and investment, and it also changes the balance that of workers to the um, older population that need uh, support, social support. So. China doesn't have the same uh, social support structures like Social Security, Medicare, and so forth that the United States has. It's more of a generational support. But each, um, you know, if you have a a one-child policy through three generations, you have one grandchild supporting eight grandparents, four parents, or one family, two kids, you know, two two people married, supporting four and eight. That's a lot of people to be supporting. And with that being the case, um, you Mm. just don't have as much um, devoted, um, much available to devote to consumption or new growth or anything like that. It really makes it a very difficult uh, calculation of how to grow. That said, last year was a very very unusual year and people not moving around, not doing things, very scared about losing their jobs as the economy was shut down. We probably have to wait another year or two uh, to see whether that's a trend uh, that continues, at least in the negative fashion. But I think that point that we talked about earlier with if the U.S. and if Europe are in recession this year, then is growth, higher levels of growth doomed in China? So it begs the question, do you think the U.S. goes into recession this year and Europe as well? Our call is definitely that we will be going into recession. Uh, We do not see a soft landing as really possible, given the degree of monetary tightening that's already happened in the United States, and even more so sort of synchronized monetary tightening across the world, with uh, most of the major developed countries having uh, done so. That takes 18 months to hit the economy. So we just started that tightening in the United States in March. So 
everybody is saying, well, it's got to be a soft landing because we haven't had employment ri- unemployment rise yet. Well, it's not time yet for unemployment to rise. What the stage we're in now is going to be disappointing corporate profits. Those disappointing corporate profits, um, whether it's Goldman Sachs or you know the first banks starting to do it, you're going to see companies having a more and more difficult time making their earnings. We had economic. Do you blame data the to- Fed? Do you blame the um, Fed for this? It's not blaming the Fed. It is a logical consequence of Fed action, but the Fed action is undertaken because you had uh, everybody in the world screaming about inflation going on for too long. So the Fed was backed into a political corner, if you will, to the point where you know they had to say, well, we already have employment at a high level, so we have to address that other dual component of our mandate, the inflation, and we are going to have to raise interest rates. Other central banks around the world are saying the same thing because the COVID supply chain induced inflation worldwide was a worldwide problem. So everybody's applying the same policy solution. The difficulty in macroeconomics is that it's not like plumbing. You don't turn on the faucet and things start flowing and you turn off the faucet and things stop. Well, you do, you do preventative time, maintenance, though, don't you? You do, you did, do preventative did the Fed, maintenance, did yes. The Fed didn't do the preventative maintenance. I would say that um, at the time when the Fed, um, I mean, that you're asking whether the Fed should have started raising rates much earlier. I don't think well, the Fed should have Well, it's not me asking, but that's what many people ask. <laughs> yes, okay. Many people asking, you know, should the Fed have started raising rates earlier? I don't think that that was actually a possibility because we were still at, you know, at fairly high levels of unemployment at the time when you would have had to have started raising rates to have choked off the inflation that later happened. It's a very thorny issue, and I think it's really, I would not blame the Fed. I would say that the issue was in a uh, a structure of, sure. of world production that required so much output in one, one country and input in another country, and depended on being able to ship it across borders easily, costlessly, and we found that that wasn't the case when you had something like COVID. Sure, very quickly. Does that mean the bond market is actually a buy? I think the bond market is overly optimistic. I think that we'll still see further tightening on the shorter end, and the bond market isn't fully accounting for how long the Fed is going to be raising rates. And I think that the bond market is anticipating that the rates are going to be cut sooner than I think they actually will be. I think we're still at these high 5% short-term rates through the rest of 2023. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Play Bloomberg 11:30. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis, and I'm Rashad Salam. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.